Hello, you're listening to a Zen Studies Society podcast. To learn more about our community of Zen Buddhist practitioners, please visit zenstudies.org. The 10 ox herding pictures, number eight. Forgetting the ox, forgetting the self. The preface. Shedding worldly feelings, erasing holy thoughts. You do not linger where the Buddha is. You dash right past where the Buddha is not. Don't cling to duality, or the thousand-eyed one will soon find you. If birds were to bring you flowers, What a disgrace. The verse. Whip and rope, you and the ox, all gone in emptiness. Into a blue sky, too vast for words. Can a snowflake survive a raging fire? Attain this and be one with the ancient masters. Please make yourselves less comfortable. Master Kakuan Shion says in his verse to the eighth of the ten ox herding pictures. And how appropriate this is to the fifth part of this one day Hoatsu session. It's been two years since we could gather this way. And I know you all feel this. It's so beautiful. Every snowflake, icicle, every soaring tree, every drifting cloud, the sun coming up over the mountain in the morning, and this morning's star at dawn, and 
each one of you. And time, that slippery state has been quickening, flying by. And such subtle changes throughout these hours. When we began, the lake had just frozen and snow had just fallen. And I wrote this haiku, branches traced with snow point in the 10 directions, lake pure white and still. Kakuan Zenji lived during the 12th century on Mount Ryoan in China. He was the Dharma heir of Daizui Genjo Zenji, who was a Dharma brother of Engo Kokugon Zenji, who, as we heard the other day, compiled the Hegegon Roku, the Blue Cliff Record. Kakuan's Dharma heir, Jion Osho, wrote an introduction and a preface to each of the Oxerding pictures and published the collection. So as most of you know, during this year of the metal ox, which began February 12th and ends January 31st, 2022, I've been giving Teisho on each of the 10 ox herding pictures. And we'll look at the last one, number 10, at Hoenji's winter session, January 20th through 23rd. You're all invited, bringing your own tent, or tune in on Zoom. On February 1st, 2022, we enter the year of the tiger. Who is a tiger? Yes, Chigan Roshi, Boz, and Elliot, and our esteemed Togan Senji. Black water tiger this tiger year. Kakuan's original pictures are lost, but they were faithfully copied by Shubun Zenji, who was a 15th century artist monk, and they are reproduced in Niti Suzuki's Manual of Zen Buddhism and also in Myokyoni's Gentling the Bull. Shubun's originals 
are in the collection of Shokokuji in Kyoto. So today, mirroring our state of mind, or I should say, no mind, mushin, that we may be experiencing in our zazen at this point. We have forgetting ox, forgetting self. And here is image by Shubun. And I also brought a more contemporary picture by Gyokusei Chikihara Osho. He is a teacher in the Obaku School of Zen. And this one is part of the collection that's on display at Zen Mountain Monastery. More like an Enso. An empty circle. Nothing but the third noble truth. What is that? Cessation. Yes. When you just stop. When you don't add a thing to this moment when it's absolutely still gone. We heard Sosan Zenji tell us all is void, lucid, and self-illuminating. This is where thinking never attains. This is where the imagination fails to measure. Remember? This is where you are. No need to remember. Vast emptiness, full potentiality, or we might use Buddhist term dharmakaya, the form of no form, the brush moving through space, coming from emptiness, revealing emptiness, containing nothing, nothing left out. Ox is forgotten. The self is forgotten. What did Dogen say about that forgotten self? It started the way it's 
So they, they support, they study themselves before they To study the way is to study the self. That word study, you know, it's not an academic thing, right? It's to really investigate, to probe deeply, to ponder, to look into. You can think of some other words too, I'm sure. But to really meet, to investigate the way is to see into the self and that leads to forgetting the self. The more we investigate, the more we see this, when we thoroughly see into it, and that's what we are doing here in Session. Leaving no stone unturned, as Master Tosatsu said in the Three Barriers. What happens when we thoroughly see into the self? It seems to evaporate. What self? Forgotten. And then, Dogen said, to forget the self is to be enlightened by everything, just as it is, the great way is right here. And I was reminded of a song by Jimmy Cliff that I'm sure you can sing along with me. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. I can see all the obstacles in my way. Gone are the dark clouds that had me blind. It's gonna be a bright, bright, Sunshiny way, day, day and way. It's his way. He saw right through all those obstacles. So every Rohatsu session, December 5th, we commemorate Master Hakuin Ekaku this most inspiring of teachers, close to our own time. It's not ancient India or China, but Japan, just a few years ago, a little over 250 years ago. Iwajiro, his given name, Ekaku, his ordination name, Nagasawa, his family name, was born in 1685, the same year as? Johann Sebastian Bach. Correct. 
they played a very similar tune. And he passed away in 1768. And he spent nearly his entire life at the very unassuming rundown temple Shoinji in the small village of Hara, a post station at that time on the busy Tokaido road running between Kyoto and Edo, present day Tokyo, between Mount Fuji and Suruga Bay. How many of you have been to Shoinji? It's quite a, quite a wonderful place. So I was thinking to myself, preparing this talk, why do I feel such a compelling connection to Hakuin? My friend Kaz Tanahashi and I made a Hakuin pilgrimage with about 20 students back in 2003. Of course, all lineage holders in the Rinzai Zen school, wherever they may be, are Hakuin's descendants. But what was it that captivated me even when I was quite young, when I first discovered him in Zen flesh, Zen bones, which I brought a copy of in the 101 stories. Probably many of you know this book. Well, one thing, one thing I was thinking uh, was the way he really reflected people's lives with humorous drawings and stories drawn from the characters in his village, all of them conveying his great empathy for the very poverty-stricken, for the most part, people who surrounded Shoinji. And his life is so well known through his own writings and those of his students, particularly his Dharma heir, Tore Enji, and many, many books have been edited and translated by the wonderful Norman Waddell, whose notes are a brilliant text all in their own. You can spend hours with those notes at the back of various books that he's put together. And we learn of Hakuin's ferocity. I'm sure you've taken a look at his death sculpture on the altar. His ferocity in teaching the monks who gathered at Shoenji, his daring spirit 
which he tells us about, and his no-holds-barred way of practice. His radical creativity, organizing the koan system, devising his own koan, what was that? Sound one hand. And altogether reviving Japanese Zen, which had grown rather stale and predictable. And of course, his prolific teachings through paintings, through calligraphy, through some 30 books. So each night we listen to his Rohatsu exhortations, beautifully recited by Chigon Roshi. And he gives us compassionate instructions how to sit. I'm sure when you hear what he says, it really helps your zazen, right? Maybe you forget by the next sitting, but you can always. Do a bit of a recall. And how to sit and how to breathe. So important. We cannot. Appreciate. Cannot say, oh, this is, you know, it's going to just be a sitting. We have to really go into this energy of the breath and the beautiful way he spoke of it last night. Just nothing to do, just exhaling. Filling up the tonden with breath and then letting everything go in the natural rhythm of inhaling, exhaling. And of course, he uses wonderful stories to inspire us and encourage us. And throughout, there is this urgent call to wake up, to break through our torpor, our laziness. To me, his Rohatsu exhortations are like a direct line into the vein of practice, a direct line into the heart. And as most of you know, he struggled mightily in his early years. He was an extremely sensitive, very impressionable child, like many of us here. When he was around nine years old, his mother, who was a devout Nichiren Buddhist, took him to hear a preacher who terrified him with his description of hell. And 
He was sure he was condemned. The other day, the question was asked, how many of you believe in spirits? How many of you believe in hell? Very few. Mm. There's always somebody who asks that. Well, it depends on what you mean. Well, let me put it this way. How many of you believe in your thoughts and emotions? You probably remember being frightened by something you heard when you were quite young. Maybe not a description of hell, but something. Maybe you felt there was no one around who could really help you. Or maybe you grew up feeling unworthy of anyone's love. We all have some early conditioning of one sort or another. And, of course, that's what brings us to practice. So I felt Hakuin was a kindred spirit. My childhood was kind of a hell realm. People kept dying, including my father, who was fighting the Nazis in Germany just before the war ended. I was a year and a half old. I heard my relatives talking of people who had gone missing, who were killed in the Holocaust. There were scary kids in my Brooklyn neighborhood when I was quite young, living with my grandmother. The boy next door used to stand on the stoop and pee at me. Then he graduated into the hormone stage, and that was even scarier. My mother married again when I was four, and my stepfather was quite tyrannical and given to violence, and he himself was suffering great pain. He was shell-shocked, fighting in the Pacific. He was an undiagnosed bipolar and took my mother and me away from that lovely protective environment, despite the boy next door, to live far away from all our relatives. Well, Hakuin finally got permission to be ordained at Shoenji when he was 14. And he was hoping that this would save him from damnation. But a few years later, 
He learned about Ganto Zenkatsu's death at the hands of bandits and entered a period of great disillusionment and despair. If the great Ganto couldn't be saved, what was the use of being a monk? And he fell into a period of psychological torment. You know that sign, having read Dante's Inferno, that sign at the gates of hell? What's it say? Abandon all hope, ye who enter here. It's also written in invisible ink over the doorway of the Zendo. (laughs) So, abandon, relinquish, give it all up. And he did. He gave up. He had to. And I think at certain points of our lives, most of us go through that. It happens. As Dylan put it, desolation row. All hopes, all dreams dashed, all expectations and assurances wiped out, illusions gone, feeling quite destitute. For me, it led me to sit down under a tree, in fact, knowing nothing of Buddhism. I was seven or eight at the time. I sat there in my tight bubble of rage, grief, confusion. And I found that doing that, sitting very still, I could open to the tree, to the sky, to the earth, space. And the bubble burst. And I kept doing this. And later on, I found out it had a name. So in his desolation, for a time, Hakuin turned to literature, the arts. But the force of his karmic calling propelled him to go on pilgrimage, temple to temple, and still filled with uncertainty. What should I do? What am I doing? Am I a monk? Can I continue? At one temple that was airing its books and scrolls, at random he picked up a book called Spurring Zen Students Through the Barrier. And reading about Jimyo Soen, 
who in his determination to awaken would dig a sharp awl into his thigh whenever he drifted off. It's a very helpful thing. <laughs> Hakuin renewed his own resolve. And at the age of 22, he returned to Shoinji, where he sat alone, unmoving, completely one with the, while the cat catastrophic eruption of Mount Fuji took place all around him. He emerged unscathed, but without the hoped-for Kensho. And so he continued what he called a great driving spirit of inquiry that cannot rest until Satori is achieved. And he did a 10-day session alone in a shrine room at Egenji. And just as Siddhartha had done, he vowed not to get up until he realized his true nature. And indeed, at dawn on the last day, he heard a temple bell from a distant temple. At last, that is me ringing, he cried out. Old Ganto never died. He's right here with me. Well, unfortunately, so was Hakuin's me. His ego entity, congratulating himself on such a marvelous breakthrough. And the seventh of the ten ox herding pictures is, and this is one by Jikihara Sensei, is forgetting the ox. Self remains, which I spoke on at Golden Wind session. Some of you attended one way or another. So with awakening, forgetting the ox, the ox is gone. There is no more need to herd the ox. There's no more need to chase after one's true nature. Already, just sitting, the ox is superfluous. Buddha nature is superfluous. There's nothing to pursue, nothing to do. What more need we seek? And yet, the person, the self, remains. 
there is some awareness of attainment, some separate kind of self-consciousness that is looking in as you are sitting there and seeing me. And this is what happened. Hakuin's sense of triumphant achievement became self-inflation rather than self-surrender. It took submitting, as it does for us all, in his case, to the severe teachings of the recluse Shoju Rojing, whose Buddhist name was Dokyo Etan. You recognize from our lineage, Teidai Denpo. He was the Dharma heir of Shido Bunan. It took Shoju to cut through Hakuin's pride and arrogance. And years after the difficulties I had with my stepfather, you know, what Shoju Rojin did for Hakuin came from his Dharma eye. He was seeing this remarkable student, seeing what was needed. I never thought my stepfather had my best interests at heart. But as I've grown older, I think maybe he did. The only way he knew. He did have this straightforward mind without any deviation, this tough adherence to high standards. And definitely, I have to thank him. This led me to sit down and keep sitting. Session, session. Years of tears. How many of you cry in the Zendo? Years of purification. And yet, still, the conditioning is so powerful. Even when we think we've seen through it, it can rear up and blindside us. Maybe seen sooner as it does, but still there is something lurking. Believing in one's irritation is certainly one example. Feeling inadequate. I'm 78 years old, and I'm still feeling like I shouldn't be up here. 
it's a really interesting thing. You know, we have to attend tenderly to what has been ignored or left behind to see how trapped we are by the various forms of should, all the comparisons, feeling, oh, I'll never get it right, I'll never measure up. The good thing about being old is you get used to it. There it is again. Hi. You're no good piece of shit. And of course, to see one's own mistakes born of that conditioning, born of fear, born of this lack of confidence. And we learn how important it is to feel regret, sincere regret, and take action, apologize, do what it takes. Don't freeze. Don't try to push it under the rug. We have to look at our own long-lasting coping methods that never really worked, that just kept us boxed in, always second-guessing. So this practice is demanding. How do we live in an open, creative way with the function of our meditation as wisdom, as the sixth ancestor put it? As for Hakuin, after months of harsh treatment and miserable failures, all his attempts to show his great understanding were met with blows, pushing him down, scornful shouts of, you poor hole-dwelling devil, until one day during Takahatsu, chanting, Oh, which means dharma, which we will do tonight. He was knocked unconscious with a broom by somebody who didn't want him begging around the house. And what happened? K.O. You understand K.O.? K.O. means knock out. K.O. became... Okay. Completely okay. Powerful Kensho. Hakuin disappeared at last. The koan he was immersed in was so clear, like the radiant glory of the morning. He went back to Shoju Ronin. And there was nothing to say, nothing to attest to, no self to profess anything. 
And this is what is conveyed in the eighth Oxfording picture. See, I got back to it. This empty circle, form emerging from emptiness, holding emptiness, itself emptiness. To try to convey this in words is futile. The point of this eighth picture is what? It's just like the example that Qigong Roshi gave in Roger Corliss's vision of Buddhism. You take an empty sheet of paper and you write on it. This is an empty sheet of paper. Whatever we say is going to go against that. Great, you might say, great, perfect mirror wisdom. The first of the fourfold wisdoms that Hakuin sings about in the song of Zazen, you might say, oh, unlimited, inconceivable. Well, the Diamond Sutra says, you might say, not one single thing. And that's just like saying an empty sheet of paper. So we really can't speak of it. But of course, Kakawan and his Dharma heir, Jion, did write something about it. In the preface, Jion says, shedding worldly feelings erasing holy thoughts, the desire for achievement, for attainment, for acknowledgement, for approval, gone. The stink of enlightenment, gone. Then he says, you do not linger where the Buddha is. You dash right past where the Buddha is not. No attaching to some idea of the sacred or secular. What did we hear in the Diamond Sutra? This Dharma is like a raft. The Buddha teaching must be relinquished. How much more so misteaching? The Buddha is not something, some religious concept or object or icon. And where is there no Buddha? Of course, from the absolute vista, there is no place where the Buddha is not. And yet, from the mundane standpoint, of course, we don't hang out with people and getting drunk and we don't go around deceiving people and exploiting people and participating in frivolous conversation. I just dash right past. Have you found yourself doing that? Dashing right past? You know right away 
Sometimes you get sucked in. Don't do that. Then the next line is, don't cling to duality or the thousand-eyed one will soon find you. Who's the thousand-eyed one? Here it's the thousand hands holding things, so you may not be able to see the eyes on each hand, but they're there, and she will see you. So no attaching, no lingering, no clinging to this or that. Practice in such a perfect sphere of emptiness that you, it, can't be perceived. Inconspicuous. And the last line of the preface is, if birds were to bring you flowers, what a disgrace. This is a, re- a reference to a story about Gozu Hoyu, who was a disciple of the fourth ancestor, Dojin Dai Zenji. Gozu became a mountain recluse, and he was immersing himself in such diligent practice that birds would bring flowers in their beaks and present them to him in homage. But when he realized the great matter, what happened? They ignored him. Not a single flower. How disgraceful to be the sort of person to be acclaimed by others, even birds. And even worse, how disgraceful to seek renown. Never think your enlightenment is entitlement. So this verse by Kakuan, I will read you, but let me first tell you that when Hakuin had to leave Shouju to go back to Shoenji, Shouju warned him, don't be satisfied with this minor attainment. The farther you proceed into enlightenment, the harder you must strive. The greater the understanding you achieve, the more effort you must exert. Make a habit of repeating three times over. Though empty space should be exhausted, my vow will never end. And he continued to practice in this way and to teach in this way and have many, many breakthroughs. 
but his mind, Hakuin's mind, was increasingly vexed. Why? He couldn't seem to integrate his, the freedom that he experienced in his awakenings into daily life. So it was in his early 40s that he reread the Lotus Sutra. And what he had earlier in his life scorned as mere stories, simple-minded parables, now, now triggered his greatest kensho. As he was reading the third chapter of the Lotus Sutra, the one on parables, he heard a cricket chirping in the garden. And he wrote, just like that, all the lingering doubts and uncertainties vanished from my mind. They suddenly ceased to exist. The reason for the lotus's reputation as the king of sutras was now revealed to me with blinding clarity. Teardrops began cascading down my face. A loud involuntary cry burst from the depths of my being, and I began sobbing uncontrollably. And as I did, I knew without any doubt that what I had realized in all those satori's, what I had grasped in my understanding of those koans I had passed, had all been totally mistaken. I was finally able to penetrate the source of the free, enlightened activity that permeated Shoju's daily life. Kakawan's verse to this eighth picture depicts this activity. Whip and line and you and the ox all gone to emptiness. Gone, gone, gone to the other shore. Prajna paramita. Perfection of wisdom also gone. Into a blue sky too vast for words is the second line. No way to speak of it. The saying, like a mute person with a dream. Or Bodhidharma asked by the Emperor Wu, what is the holy principle of Buddhism? Vast emptiness. Nothing holy or nonsense. An ordinary mind is the way. 
when you have really reached the true way beyond doubt, you will find it as vast and boundless as outer space. How can it be talked about on the level of right and wrong? Third line. Can a snowflake survive a raging fire? In the cauldron of Rohatsu's session, nothing survives. We die the great death, so on Roshi's calligraphy. The snowflakes of you and the ox a snowflake of pain and tiredness. The snowflake of, I can't breathe in this mask. The snowflake of blissful samadhi. The snowflake of confusion and doubt snowflakes of right and wrong, of unworthiness, melt away. The last line, attain this and be one with the ancient masters. Hey, old Chakyamuni. Hey, old Ganto. Hey, old Hakuin. How are you doing? This has been a Zen Study Society podcast. If you found it to be of interest, please consider making a donation by visiting zenstudies.org slash donate. Thank you for listening.